I got it. I got some. Well, I can just tell you, you know how to kill a man. Uh, one of our very first connections, Pastor John, is when we were uh, sitting at Wild Wing Cafe, and, um, and I began talking about my children, and uh, that's when it uh, messed with my heart, and I started tearing up, and uh, it was, I believe it was from that connection on, it's like, why don't you come back to the office with me, and let's talk some more, and, uh, and then thus unfolded the praying about the possibility of praying about working together, and now you know, at that point, that's almost six years later after that conversation started. And, um, and I, so you know, I told him just a moment ago, I said, man, you know how to kill me, don't you? He's just messing with my kids and messes me up. So I, I truly, uh, Rachel, are you still in the room? Yeah. Do you mind coming back up just a second? So hopefully she don't kill me for this, but she loves to get up and speak and all that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love you, Rachel. But yeah. <clears throat> Maybe one day you'll get a chance to hear her speak because she has a very prolific way of communicating and a very, very profound way. Got a hidden talent there. But anyway, my wife and I, we just want to uh, uh, just tell you, um, we, yeah, in case she needs it, we just want to tell you that we love you all. Uh, we're so thankful. Uh, when we were I'll be talking about some seasons change and how seasons change and how many love change. A couple of you, right? yeah. Most of you don't like to raise your hand when seasons change. You know, we've been through uh, lots of different changes in our life, and, and as most people, I mean, change is inevitable. You're not going to be able to keep change from happening in your life. But it, it depends on how you weather those changes, and there have been changes that have not been so grand, that have not been so great. Uh, there's been changes that have been wonderful. And, uh, and we get to say that this has been one of, one of those wonderful parts of our change. Uh, when I was talking with Pastor John originally, um, and we started our conversation and everything, I w- my biggest concern was my kids' well-being. Were they going to be able to dig in and grow deeper? Because I remember, uh, in fact, Andy, uh, we both grew up very similarly. Uh, you know, JJ, and, and that's that's who I'll be traveling with full time is JJ Weeks. Uh, all of us kind of grew up very similarly with very integrated. Uh, dug into church background, and there was lots of encounters with God, altar encounters, uh, being at camps, being at, uh, you know, just different events where we just experienced the power of God, and it seemed like our journeys were not really going that way with my kids, and I was so concerned. I want them to experience the power of God because I know what I would not be standing here today. Rachel and I would not be standing here together today if it was not for those types of encounters in our childhood and throughout our adult life and things like that. And and that started rooting uh, rooting in us when we were children. And I was very concerned about that. And God gave us the gift of Christ Chapel to be able to get our kids. I mean, uh, if you haven't met my daughter Madeline or my son Connor or my, or my do- other daughter Eliana, they are so integrated. They're, so, they, they're excited to go to camp every year. In fact, instead of going to beach camp, they would rather go to the local camp that's not quite as grandiose or whatever. They would rather be rooted in there because of the relationships they find, and they talk about the encounters they have with God. They have encounters with God here. They're helping with ministry and things like that, and I'm like, I couldn't have orchestrated that. 
In fact, I was afraid it wouldn't be orchestrated, but God is faithful and God takes care of those things. And so from the bottom of our heart, Rachel and I and our family want to say thank you for letting us be a part of this family and, and be a part of Christ Chapel. Because, uh, you know, I, you guys blew me away talk, talking all this stuff and, every, and, and things that you're saying about me and my family is what I've always, I could only hope, you know, God... I pray about, you know, raising my kids. You may have heard me talk a little bit about that. I just pray all the time, God, help us get it right somehow. And then when you hear people say those things about you, it's like, okay, maybe I'm somewhat accomplishing what I've always dreamed in my heart. But beyond that of what you're saying, a gift that my family's been to you, Christ Chapel has been a gift to us and so many blessings in so many ways. And we just want to say thank you for that. And um, we love you very much. I don't know if you want to say anything. I don't know if put you on the spot or anything, but you don't have to. No, so. again, just to echo what he has said, thank you all for loving our family so well. And, um, you know, he'll get into it more. Well, maybe, I don't know. But um, we, me and the kids, will still be here. So, um, you know, check on us because he's going to be gone a lot. And so you probably won't see him very much, probably hardly at all. Um, but we'll be here. So check on us because I don't know how to fix things. So I'm, I'm, some of y'all are on my speed dial. <laughs> help, help a girl out. Um, but thank you again, like he said, for loving on our babies. And I think everybody in here who has children, um, the one thing as being in ministry and being leaders is a lot of times you see in other places, that your kids kind of get put in a fishbowl and everybody watches what they're doing and everybody judges what they're doing, what they're wearing, how they sneeze, how they look, what they're doing. And um, they've never once had that here. So thank you from a mama's heart. That, that means the world to let my kids just grow up and be who they are. And so I appreciate that for you. Or I appreciate that, that you've given that gift to our family. Amen. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> Yeah, seasons come and seasons go, and uh, like I asked you the question, how many like change? Most of you don't raise your hand because you fear change, you don't like change. You know, it's, uh, I was um, uh, watching a, 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 a training video the other day, and they were talking about how people don't like change. How many have liked every Facebook update? If you use, how many use Facebook? Wow, is it that low? Or just some of y'all scared to raise your hand? And it's like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, with every Facebook update, it's like, you know, when they change their platform, move things around, I can't find the search button anymore, you know. Uh, but change is going to happen. And you wind up, you know, within a couple of days of after that change has happened, you forget about it, right? You, you forget about it and you, you, don't even re- you don't even recognize, you don't even remember what it used to be like. You know, it's change, you adapt and everything like that. And so uh, there's been seasons of change like I alluded to earlier. There's been some seasons in our life that we've made change that have been very rough. Um, there has been changes in our life that we've done that's uh, been very, uh, I guess you could say, sacrificial. Uh, that's not to pat ourselves on the back. But, you know, when God knocks on the door of your heart and says, hey, I want you to go do this, um, God, like with Abraham, doesn't tell you exactly how that journey is going to play out. He just says, well, pack your bags and I want you to go, well, go that direction and, I, and I, I'm going to show you a land. Well, what land? Well, just, just go and I'll show you later. You know, it's like, no. And, and basically what God is saying, I want you to trust me to guide and direct your steps. And 
me, me being a, a worship guy and, and loving, uh, you know, worship and, and, and being uh, a worshiper myself, and, and hopefully uh, that has encouraged you, and, and hopefully you've grown in the last five and a half years or ever how long you've been a Christian, you've grown in your worship. But um, if I can kind of, let, let me kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe explain what worship really is, if I, if I can even put it in a box, okay? Because most of the time, our impression and what we think of worship is, worship is the, the music portion of the service, right? It's, we we kind of think that, you know, oh, let, let's do worship, and we're thinking of the songs that we're going to sing during worship, not realizing that music is not worship. Music is an instrument and a tool of worship. But music in and of itself is not worship. Worship comes from our heart. When Pastor John gets up and he speaks and he preaches his sermon, he is taking his gifts and talents and giving them to the Lord as an act of worship. So when we say we're going to worship the Lord, all of it's worship. Whether, whether someone's singing or whether someone's speaking, whether someone is serving the, the homeless or, or, or helping someone who's been addicted to drugs and alcohol get a breakthrough and carry them through those, whether, whether someone is sitting in a counseling session and trying to counsel someone through their depression, uh, through their habits, and trying to help them change their habits, uh, you, know, it, it's, you know, as we're doing that as an act of worship unto God. So music is not worship, so we can change that. And then also when we come in and we do worship or we use the tool of music in worship and praise, I mean, that's probably my favorite one. Is music, okay? Just because, you know, I, I'm musical. Uh, you know, hopefully some of you are, you know, there. Well, I guess that almost sounded bad. I do enjoy your sermons, Pastor John. <laughs> but as far as, as far as my expression of worship, I, I love doing that through music. And music does have a powerful ability to, for the most part, kind of pull some people. If nothing else, even if you're kind of a subdued person, you kind of like catch yourself like at least bobbing your head a little bit, you know? And, um, and so we have people with different styles. I mean, you have, you have this, the beautiful lady here that just dances every Sunday, uh, you know, and, uh, and our, our other sister who comes up here and she's just, you know, all out and just worshiping God. And some of you do that. And then some of you are just holding the back of the chair, just hoping that, you know, God doesn't decide to zap you and you go crazy, you know, (laughs) and you're white knuckling it, you know, and so, and some of you come in, it's like, well, I'm. I'm, I'm more of an intellectual. I, I kind of listen to, yeah, I like to listen to the sermon. I, I, I'm a thinker. I'm not really one of those uh, touchy-feely, you know, goosebumpy, you know, ballet dancers, you know, in worship. I'm just, I'm just, you know, and, and, and I think if we're not careful, we miss out on worship and, and, the, and the act of worship and missing out on, on some amazing experiences and encounter with God because we kind of like, you know, we, we kind of get this idea of, of, of what worship is, and well, I'm not that type of person, and, and then we're equating it that worship is, is music, but music is not worship. It's, it's who we are, and it's expressing who we are to God because we're thankful for what he's done. We're thankful for who he is. And so, and I, I want to tie this into these different seasons of changes that, uh, and I can only, I can mostly glean from the personal experiences that I've had in changes of seasons. And like there, there's been times where, uh, um, 
you know, I've had some great experiences. I've had, I've had some big dreams and visions to, to do great things and, and thinking that I'm about to get there. And then you wind up making this stop at this one place and it's like, oh, this is not going to work out. You know, or this is going to be a tough season. And you go through those tough seasons and, and then you have those stops that are really refreshing to us. And so it's like, well, you know, you're going through life and God, all I want to do is just worship you. God, all I want to do is honor you. All I want to do is just give what I am and who I am to you. And why are we going through these hard times? Now, I had you raise your hands for, you know, if you like change or not. Now, I have to ask you. Now, some, some may actually answer the opposite way, but how many would really go back and if you really thought it through, would go back and change anything that's happened in your life? Now, I know there are some hard things that people face and hard things that I've, that I can't even imagine that, that I've been fortunate to, to skip somehow. But if you really go back and maybe, and, and maybe some of you in this room are not old enough to see I can't say that I would go back and change some of the hardest things that I've been through because of the character that's been developed in me. I would not be the same type of person. I have to question, would I be what I, you know, Pastor John said uh, one of the greatest compliments about kindness. and th- Would I be a kind person if I didn't go through some of the hardships? Would I, be, would I still be in love with Jesus? Would I still be walking out this walk? Would I still be believing in faith that God is going to come through every time? Would I have the character that I have if I didn't go through some of those things that were very shaping and very molding, if you really think about it, you'd probably say, I don't know that I would go back and change some of those things, especially if you allow God to do his work. And I hope that once we get to the end of this message, that you'll, that you'll kind of, that your whole perspective will change, okay? And so going through those seasons of change and, and worship and things like that and different, you know, as you're, as you're living your life in obedience to God, because obedience is also worship. As you follow God and you're committed to him, that is also an act of worship. There is a game-changing word, and I, and I stole some of these things from another sermon that I heard, and it's just been really boiling in me the last several weeks and things like that. But there's a game-changing word that I think has evaporated from our church culture today. And it's a word that I believe would revolutionize our worship, revolutionize our praise, if we would just you know, if we could get that key and unlock the door, I believe it would be like a key to unlock the doorway uh, of our influence even to the world. If we could get this one word down that I think is, like I said, kind of evaporated from the culture of our church world today when it comes to our worship, when it comes to our serving God, and that one word, are you ready? You're like, just say it, man. <laughs> it's Sacrifice. Now, I think I heard some moans and groans. Oh, oh, you know, you're about ready to like jump up. Oh, yeah, here's that word. It's like, oh, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Let me explain. The word sacrifice. What is the component that differentiates average life from the exceptional life? It is sacrifice. How so? Well, like I said, we got church culture, but it's, but it's a word that is very understood in regular everyday life and regular culture. How so? If you want that promotion at that job and it requires a certain certification, then you're going to work your regular 8 to 10 hour job a day, go home instead of going to the golf course or going shopping, 
You're going to go sit down at your computer or you're going to go to that night school to take that course to get that certification. Am I right? With the hopes that if you sacrifice that time, your personal time, your family time, your just enjoyment and luxury and, 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 and recreational time, you sacrifice those times with the hopes that the payoff is going to be that promotion in that job, which gets you the greater paycheck, gets you the raise or whatever. Am I correct? So sacrifice is a word that we understand. We also understand that if we spend four years at college and get our bachelor's degree, that somehow that degree or that piece of paper is going to open up other doorways to bigger, better jobs, all that kind of stuff. You, you follow me? But then, but it's like when we come over here to the church side, it's like we don't really, we want to take sacrifice out of the equation. We, we're concerned if, whether our favorite song is going to be sung or whether Pastor John's going to tickle our ears and have a nice, cute little sermon to make us feel good. We tip God in the offering plate and go home and we feel like we've done our Christian duty and we've really not done a, a sacrifice do you follow what I'm saying? This is a well-understood and appreciated concept, like I said, in the world. But, it's, but sacrifice is an integral part of worship. And I'm not talking about the sacrificing of lambs and goats and, and doves and, and all that kind of stuff that was in the Bible and sacrificing because God is looking for a different sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for such sacrifices God is pleased. So through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, and, that's, and, and this is not talking about a Sunday morning experience, right? It's not talking about a Sunday morning thing where we just check off our Christian duty at the, on Sunday morning and we feel like we've done God a favor. This is through Jesus Christ, let us continually offer up the sacrifices of praise. Now, what is worship when we talk about that? Worship Let's kind of put it in this context. Our worship is an echo of what God has already done. God has already made a sacrifice for you, so our worship is a response to his mercy, his grace, his love and sacrifice that he has already made for us. So we echo back a proportionate response to his sacrifice. So really, he's already made a sacrifice to us, and our worship is like that echo now, if you notice, as, as I'm speaking in this room, you hear an echo happening. You hear the, the sound is kind of bouncing off the, the hardness of, 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 of certain places in the wall, which if you notice, you've got sound panels on either side, and that is to kind of deaden the sound. Otherwise, it would be even worse. So when we, when we build a, a building or, you know, we put together an arena for, uh, for music and things like that, there are certain things they're trying to deaden the echo so we don't have that echo and we don't have that reflection. But in worship, it's supposed to be different. We're supposed to be a reflection plant panel of what God has done for us. And so as, he, as we realize his mercy and his grace, because you see, you know, when I said the word sacrifice, and nobody got excited about sacrifice, when you start looking at the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, and you start thinking about the impact that that has on your life, if you're allowing that to sink in and his mercy and his grace, it bounces back as an act of worship and an echo that people hear. Amen. So what are the sound panels of your heart like right now? 
What are the sound panels? I know that we go through seasons of change and we go through things that that may or may not feel good and all that kind of stuff, but we have got to make a sacrifice and, and be able to reflect the mercy of God in our life because I guarantee you, and, and here's, well, I, and I almost did it. The, the, the thing that I've always fought as when I get up to speak or whatever, I've always fought, I've always fought of trying to somehow turn it and spin it in a way of like, if you do this, this is what will benefit you. And so we wind up, or at least I personally wind up, trying to spin it in such a way to where, well, if I can, if I can show them how to benefit them, then maybe they'll live the life of Christ. Or maybe they'll be a worshiper at heart. Maybe they'll want to serve God. Maybe they'll get excited about Jesus because, you know, and, and, and praise does bring about change. Praise does bring about victory in your life. There are, you know, when you walk with God, yeah, this was kind of like, Distracted. We'll just fix that right there. So if we're not careful in our life, when God asks us, asks something of us, and he asks us to do things, and we don't have that sacrificial act of worship in our life, we're like, well, what's in it for me? Let me tell you, friend, it's, and, and, and it's not, it, it, I know it's a cliche statement that, that we, it, it was sung beautifully, we, made, we wrote songs about it, but it's, it's all about you and not about me. But how many really like, if you really thought about it, would you like to sing that? It's not about me. Well, how many want things to be about them? All right, at the end of the service, I'm going to make an altar call, and everybody can repent right now for lying. Yeah. And, and can I just be transparent and honest with you? Like, you know, I was trying to be humble, but when people were saying great things about me, I kind of liked it. I mean, that's, is that too raw? So you like things being about you, even if you just sat there and lied about it. Where was I going with that? But we sang songs, we've written songs about it's not, and I'm just, I'm not trying to be cliche or anything, but it is not about you. It is about him, but he does have a plan for you. God is all about you, otherwise he would not have hung on a cross and died for you. So there is an aspect that is about you, but what I don't want to spend my time doing is up here trying to bargain with you to say, well, if you do this, then God will come through. I'm just telling you, if you will serve God, God will come through for you, but there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be a place where you lay it down on the altar, and when you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, or you cannot see the greatness of things, because when we moved to Milledgeville to plant that church years ago, and you guys were a part, I don't know, if, I don't know if there were how many of you were here at that time back in 2000, uh, 2010. This crazy man calls me up and gives me an offering. Never met me, hardly uh, just met me before the service, and offers me an offering to go plant the church, and then offers me the pick of the litter here at Christ Chapel. It's like, hey, if anybody feels called to go to Milledgeville to help Ben, you know, if something struck a chord with your heart, you can go. I'm thinking, I'm smiling, I think, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, you're crazy, you know? But what you don't realize is that when you sacrifice, God, God does not take away something that he does not provide better. Even if that 
even if part of that journey is a painful journey, because you see, you got, it's like the eagle. Uh, and I heard my dad would preach this sermon so many times, and he would talk about the eagle and, and how the eagle would, uh, would see. Uh, they have such amazing st- sight that they're able to see a storm miles and miles away coming. And it said what the eagle will do will start just flapping its wings. And what it's doing is getting rid of any loose feathers that may harm its flight. And it said, just before the storm hits, that eagle lets out a loud screech and heads to fly above the storm. So sometimes things need to be shaken off of our life. Sometimes we need to go, ha- we need to go through the hard times to smooth off the rough edges so that we can be consecrated to the Lord and set apart for a holy use. You will not come into your destiny in Christ. You will not be able to be fully used and have any kind of impact in people's lives until God has finished his process in you, until you go through the process, go through the seasons of change, and that requires trusting sacrifice. I trust you, God, and I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it is. And you see, we got it easy in this country. I'll sacrifice God. I'll wait on you as I sit in my easy chair, flipping through my channels in my air-conditioned house. We don't know what suffering is. So our small sacrifice, God can take and multiply everything. I'm kind of running out of time a little bit. So let's talk about that sacrifice just a little bit and the sound of heaven, okay? So we talk about the sacrifice of our worship, and of our praise, our life to God, and we are echo, we're echoing the mercy that he has given us, right? And so when we put it into that light, there should be an excitement that comes to you as you realize that God, you know, even before, if we put this in the right order, even before we realize, yeah, I need to sacrifice, wait a minute, God has already made a sacrifice for you, what is, and it says in, you know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is reasonable. Our reasonable act of worship, one version says. So, I believe the scripture is up on the screen, First Peter chapter 1, says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. That was a good place to praise right there. What Peter is saying is like, praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, exclamation point. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hopefully your spirit is being ignited as you begin to read these words and begin to see these. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Let's back up and read that again. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This is the hope we have in Jesus. This is what he sacrificed for us. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. Amen. Now I'm going to skip the next few verses and and just for the sake of time. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 says, For you know 
that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now, I'm probably going to land the plane here on this. For you, that is not, for you know that it, is not, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus made a sacrifice for you and I with something that was precious. So in our sacrifice of worship, what should we offer back to him? Something that is precious. It should not be something that's haphazardly thrown out there. And when it comes to our worship, like I was saying about the music and things like that, I think in our culture today, if we're not careful, that we're more in love with the idea of worship than we are about worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're excited about the next artist that comes out with the next song or going to the big arena with the lights and the haze. And, all, and I love all that creativity. I see nothing wrong with it. But if we're not careful, we get in love with the idea of worship or we start worshiping the idea of worship rather than what worship truly is, and that is a sacrifice of praise unto him. That's why I said it's not about you. It's not about those things. It's about him. And then when we give that act of worship, we should be giving something precious because Jesus gave us something so precious and that we should offer that back to him. Now, I'll close with this. Depending on where we're at or our perspective in our life, and I don't have like a physical illustration, so I'll just, I'll just kind of give the, you know, paint the picture with my words. How, how does a person truly reflect that kind of worship? Of someone who has been truly freed. Like it, if you get to know Brother Reginald a little bit, our, our, our brother in the Lord who's playing bass guitar with us, that man has been delivered from much. I don't, where are you at, Brother Reginald? Are you still in the room? There he is, there he is. And so you hear his testimony. There is an excitement when you hear him speak. There is an excitement in his voice because of what God has brought you through. Right, my brother? And if we're not careful, we forget about those days that God, what God delivered us from. So... I want to ask you, what kind of grace have you been given? It's either, like if you take a pebble like that and you throw it into a pond, or say we had a big tub of water here and we just, we just dropped a pebble into that tub of water, it would it'd make a little bit of ripple, but it really wouldn't, you know, really wouldn't cause much commotion. But if you take a boulder and you throw it down into that tub of water, it's going to make a splash. So taking that 
word picture or whatever, I want to ask you, what kind of grace have you been given? Have you been given a pebble-sized grace? Or, <laughs> or have you been given a boulder or mountain of grace? What kind of splash is that going to make? Now, not trying to manipulate or not trying to pull anything out of you, but we really got to think about this. Has God redeemed you from the curse of the law of sin and death? Has he delivered you from a life that had you bound, that had you in darkness, that had you, that had you bound up? Has, has, he, has he healed you from pain that was inflicted on you by others and, and things that you didn't have control over and, and abuse that you faced and, and, and uh, childhood that may have been stolen from you or uh, uh, somebody just cursed you and, and, and just tore you down? But, but then you found out that God says that you are my daughter or you're my son. You're, you're an heir to my throne. You're an heir to my kingdom. You're, you're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. You've been redeemed. You have been saved from those things. And when you realize the grace, the size of grace that we've been given, it will make a splash. And it doesn't matter what kind of sacrifice that is required. I don't mind giving something precious when I know something as precious has already been given to me. And I know that my Savior loves me. I know that my Savior will see me through. I know that he has great plans for me. We repeat this scripture all the time. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You cannot beat that bargain when you talk about what God is doing for you. And so when we offer an act of worship through the season of change that I'm about to go through, through the seasons of change that Christ Chapel that goes, goes through, through each one of you that, that you go through, you know that you're going to be taken care of. So I don't mind giving that sacrifice. Yes, the future may be unknown, but I know that my future is in the palm of the hand of the master plan maker. How do I know that? Because I'm still standing here today running my mouth about it. There's been some tough things that I've gone through. I'm not lying to you. I'm not blowing smoke. Pastor John knows this because we've been working together. Some of you know what I stand for and who I am. And that's not to brag. But my message is still the same. Jesus loves me because his word told me so. And his plan for me is good. Yeah. He's a good, good father. Now, you know what you can do? You can say the same thing about yourself. And I encourage you that no matter what change may be presented to you, because some of you, the Lord's been talking to you. Some of, the, some of you, the Lord has been saying, hey, I want you to do such and such. And you fill in the blank because I don't know what it is for your life. Some of us are so blinded by our lack of confidence in who we are. Some of us are so blinded by feeling like that, that we are the loser that our father told us we were. Some of us are so blinded by the, the words that were spoken to us that we can't see that, that God has a plan for you. And so... I encourage you this morning as we pray, and I'm going I'm to give it back to Pastor John here in about two minutes. I encourage you that as, as, as you pray, say, Lord, help me to see and help me to hear what you have to say. And there are things that God's going to ask of you that may seem a bit crazy. 
I mean, he told a, a lame man to get up and walk. At that moment, it seemed very crazy. He spit in the dirt, made mud, and anointed the blind man's eyes. That was crazy. Not only did you get me dirty, but that's your spit in the dirt. That just... But if you do what God says, you'll wash in the pool and your eyes will be made to see. I can tell you right now, friend, all the changes that have happened in in our life, I would not change it for one bit. Because I truly see God's hand working. And even at the times where I'm like, God, is it really going to work out? That's the only thing I can say with the most conviction that I can say is, yes. That's why when I say, you know, God, my Savior. God, my healer. God, my deliverer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's why I jump around like a crazy madman because when I'm singing the words, I know what those words are saying and testifying about my life. And so I jump like a, you don't have to jump, but I encourage you maybe try it sometime. You might enjoy it. You might enjoy it. And that's not to try to manipulate some sort of certain act out of you. I just, truthfully, I just want you to experience the love of God that I've experienced. The blessings that I, and I'm not just talking about, you know, pocketbook blessings. I'm talking about just the blessing of living life. Even Jesus said, don't take thought for what you eat or drink or put on. It's like I take care of the lilies of the field. I take care of the sparrow. They, they, don't, they don't toil or spin. They don't do anything. I take care of them. Here's what you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything that you need will be added unto you. It's happened every single time, year after year, month after month, week after week, day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, second after second, millisecond after millisecond. Sorry, I know that was ridiculous. But you get my drift. Yes, he will. And so I encourage you, going back to kind of the point with the seasons of change, that you offer that sacrifice of worship and just say, God, yes. I will. I'm willing. Pastor John. I was waiting for a not-so-serious time, and I was going to walk up and just seat myself at the piano to close for you and see if what you would have done. <laughs> Very quickly, two things. I want to move this out of the way. Prepare to play Amazing Love for me just a minute. I was on the porch with my girls the other day, not too long ago. I love sitting out there, not in a thunderstorm, but as they're coming close. And I taught them about the flash of lightning. I said, now count. One, two, three, four. Then the thunder. Now they don't understand all the concepts, but if you did the math traveling at the speed of sound and divided it by the time you could tell how far the storm was away it's easy to tell how close someone is to the Lord by how long it takes them to react to his goodness you come into church and say good morning everybody good morning wow why why such a quick man I'm I'm right right here I was grateful on my way here 
don't have to be primed. What a good word, Ben. A good word for us. Is our, yes, praise the Lord. Is your life of worship proportionate to what God has done for you? And everyone in the room would say no. So we need to increase it. For those of you new to our church, this is the final thing we're doing. We're on our way home. This was a song that Ben wrote, produced, performed, and it's an original song. And I know you played the uh, Lord, I Praise You for Me. You didn't tell me, but I know you did. That was the last one. Well, I want you to play this one and let us celebrate you and your creativity as this is the last official one as worship pastor here. And then after that, you're dismissed. I'm overwhelmed by your love, your amazing love for me. I never will understand why you chose to be my friend. forget the price you paid of love on Calvary amazing love amazing grace I'm overwhelmed with gratitude and praise and I Thank you.